0: Poetically Proven podcast. Marketing and poetry join forces. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Poetically Proven. This month's guest is Clive Burney, whom I know mostly as the force of nature behind Burning Eye Books. Um, Their tagline is never knowingly mainstream and their focus on publishing spoken word artists has done a lot to dispel the assumption that spoken word doesn't transfer well to the page. They've turned up every year I think on the Saboteur Awards shortlist for most innovative publisher and they actually won it in 2016 so we'll see how they'll do this year Um, and outside of this Clive is a poet himself and I um, particularly love the collage work he does such as his cutting up the Economist book and the hashtag poetry project uh, which led him to all sorts of things including being the digital poet in residence at Stanza Poetry Festival so welcome Clive hi
1: hi Claire yeah thanks for thanks for asking me on
0: Oh, well, Thanks for joining us. Um, so I've only really talked about your role at Burning Iron, your poetry role, because that's what I'm most familiar with. But you also have another life. Um, and I was wondering if you could explain to me your multiple hats and how they all fit on your head.
1: Yeah, sure. I guess I guess I'm one of those people that kind of took Philip Larkin's advice not to give up the day job, um, which means that I have this parallel existence, in which is a business career and obviously particularly of interest to this podcast. Um, most of that has involved being involved in marketing, you know, or in one way or the other. I you know, going back to um you know a few years I spent in the in the nineties working for Unilever, working on on a number of, you know, famous brands, shall we say. Which seems <laughs> a very distant, surreal thing now. But um but 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 um more recently it, it tends to be that you know, businesses that I'm involved in on a personal level as either um owner or uh, co-owner, rather, you know, um, or, uh, and as an active director. So, um, yeah, it's, it's the it's the other half that, that people say, "What is it that you that you do?" And I and I try and explain, and it, it's it's so complicated because there's a there's a number of li- small businesses, all of which I'm sort of sort of part of involved in. One of them, contract manufacturers supermarket own brand products. Um, one of them. Um, is a very niche deodorant bat brand called called Pitch Rock, which if you're allergic to antiperspirant, you've probably heard of, and if you're not, you don't know it exists. You know, uh, things like that. You know, so so completely the other end of the, um, the spectrum from 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 High.
0: Mm. Do you find it's kind of keeps you healthy or keeps you honest in a way, having that other side of your life? Um,
1: yes. Um, and I, but for me as well, I've always found, I, I guess, um, I see it as quite creative as well. Mm. So I don't I don't necessarily see, you know, I don't put on a pinstripe suit and braces and, and go and pretend to be a, a, a businessman. I, I still <laughs> put up in, in my blue docks and my jeans, uh, you know, and still look like the Clive that people would see walking into a poetry then. But yeah. You know the the creativity that's required in that business context is either in the the, the constant reinvention evolution of, of of businesses that are always fragile because they're, they're small they they don't have huge owners with 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 money behind them um, so every year we reinvent ourselves you know the contract manufacturing business the contract timelines can be as short as twelve months um, you're never more than three months away from a product being just taken off shelf happened to us recently where tesco just dropped what we thought was a very successful product but they just said no not big enough for us we're going to stop doing that and you go and bang that's gone you know so yeah. so you know you're, you're always being creative in, in 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 different ways um and you know it's a very sociable thing i think you know I've got a good good small team um in my core business and people have worked with or we've all worked together for a very long time you know 20 years so um you know they're 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 part of the extended family, in the same way that a lot of the the, the poets um, within my burning eye world are, you know, so. Hmm.
0: No, that's great. I just always find it interesting to know what um, poets and publishers of poetry and so forth do um, in, as their day job, really, because there's quite a lot of variety. Hmm. And, uh, yeah.
1: It... Somebody said I was an accidental capitalist. <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether that that's quite right. But um, I, I kind of get where that came from because it's not something I ever intended to do. It was kind of like, you know, I, as I said, I, I didn't give up the day job. Originally, that was because, well, I was, you know, I had I had a novel to write, you know, and then that 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 novel was very bad. And, and that's first novels, first attempts at writing novels tend to be. Um, and and uh, was working on the type of poetry I was writing in the 1990s when I was, you know, having my classical brand management training. Um, was was you know was very much this, the, what you'd expect from me really sort of cut up and montaged and um, eventually was um, published in 2011 as a as a silkworms e chat book oh, called yeah. terminal insemination art but that's that's you know and if you if you read that you can see echoes of the kind of vocabulary that gets used in business circles and uh, particularly within Within brand marketing at that point in the 1990s, you know. Um, so, the other side of it is that that kind of business and marketing world has always provided me with with some stimulus in my writing life, in my in my poetry life. If you see what I mean. So, I like to steal vocabulary from strange places and. Mm. And, and 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 subvert it and reinvent it and use it. You know, as, as you mentioned, with cutting up the Economist, I think is the other other you know good example of that. I guess. Yeah. Uh, I
0: was wondering if you could talk to me a little bit um, about being a publisher versus being a, a poet and artist. How do the two fit together for you?
1: Um, I'm I'm not sure. In in some way that they do. Sometimes I find they're in conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a, it's a great way if you're an um, aspiring poet and you're setting out and you think you might start your own press or something, I would, I would now say to people understand how much the time and energy demand of that is going to have on your own creativity. That's one, one thing to keep into account, that you will very often find that you are putting your own writing career um, on the back burner in order to to promote the careers of other people and that's a sacrifice you've got to be prepared to make. And I think sometimes that, that can be a, um, you know, more, more of a thing than others, you know, because the flip side of that is actually burning eyes opened a huge amount of doors for me on a personal level, Mm. you know, um, you know, things that have, that have happened that I've met people through being, for instance, sat next to Eleanor Livingston of Stanza festival when we were judging a, a slam together in Edinburgh, um, that led to her becoming more familiar with my work and asked me to go and do something at stanza. So, you know, it's um, it, it, you could argue either it's 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 a great way to slow your your creativity and the the progression of what you do personally. A um, great way to slow it down because you, you, there's only only so much energy you can have. Um, but the flip side of that is that if you connect yourself deeply in, in a world, um, opportunities are going to come from it. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, and I quite like the contradiction of that. And I think, you know, places of, uh, contrast, contradiction, conflict in the, in the, in the simple personal sense, rather than, you know, violence, obviously, um, can be places where inspiration comes. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that, I think Burning High has led me down lots of paths that I probably wouldn't have gone down had I not been, um, you know, running, burning off. Mm.
0: Yeah. Okay. So leaving poetry slightly, although it does link again. I mean, you've worked quite a lot with video as, as a poet. Uh, I've noticed it on Instagram in particular. Um, and it also happens to be a big marketing trend and has been for a few years in, in marketing. You know, they just keep on talking about video. You need more video and so forth. Uh, just, just yeah. growing. So what's, what's your relationship with video? How did that sort of start?
1: Yeah, video, I think, originally came, my interest in video came in the same place that my um, hashtag poetry project, Came from, which um, essentially I, I was intrigued by the you know the, the 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 smart device that we all carry in our pockets now as a as a creative tool. So so and out of that, the hashtag poetry thing is um, for people who uh, most people listen to this won't be aware of it. Is uh, I would take screenshots of the Twitter app um, and then redact them. Um, and paint them and then post them to Instagram. So um, that that was sort of step one. And then a, a little bit further on, I started to, you know, as I think you have done yourself, is sort of say, well, you know, what else is here? Um, and, you know, mm. so, so that's the next step was to sort of add a little bit of motion to them by using some sort of apps that allowed you to um, put Put them together it was intended for slideshows i think so that people could share businessy things online and of course i used it to sort of have slow reveal poems um and then started <laughs> then layering those things in in other apps and then more recently have used some um you know the apps that allow you to completely edit um videos Uh, On your on your phone, on your on your on your smart device of whatever whatever choice, because I'm conscious that you can use those things on things as big as a an iPad Pro, but I'm working mostly really small, just on a on a on a smaller iPhone, Um, and and yeah, so so it all came out of that, you know, and and yeah, as as I know you do, it's 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 actually quite a liberating uh, liberating thing to be able Mm -hmm. to um you know play with play with that, Um, and then I obviously did a few interviews. With people driving around in my car, which we call car carpool poetry yeah, which um, <laughs> uh, it, it, unfortunately it 's one of those things I would like to have done more in fact I, I have done more i 've got four of them stacked up, and it, it, they take so long to edit because you drive around and you just chat and, and you end up with an hour's film which no one 's going to watch mm-hmm. the whole hour's film so then you try and try and edit you know eight to ten minutes, including a couple of poems out of that and it 's so time consuming and I just you know my all my different work lives have got super busy in the last Mm. year and the time to have hours and hours and hours of editing time has just just disappeared so unfortunately that's gone on a bit on the back burner um but it may come back we'll see what happens but yeah Mm. yeah
0: that was so (laughs) entertaining i loved it um yeah No, I hope you upload the other four that you've got on the back burner at some point. Um, I really loved what you said as well about, again, using um, an app that was designed for business. It feels like it relates to what you're talking about before, using the language of business and everything else like that. Sort of manipulating it for a different purpose than the one it was intended for, which is great. (laughs) Um, So... Knowing what Burning Eye Books specializes in, um, I kind of wanted to chat a little about the Watts McNish debate that's been
1: going on oh, for months mate. now. Okay, that's quite um, funny because I've tried so hard yeah. to keep out of it, you know, it's like, well, I'll
0: make you come out in the open. I, I wonder if we should um quickly summarize it for anybody who hasn't, luckily for them, not heard anything about the Watts McNish so. debate. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Okay. Um, (laughs) So Rebecca Watts wrote an article for the PN Review, which uh, essentially attacked um, spoken word and, well, poet uh, Holly McNish um, and lumped her together with other poets uh, like Rupi Mm Kaur in particular. Um, And it seemed to be kind of an attack, I would say, on on spoken word really and on Instagram poetry. I don't know if that's a good summary, really, of the article. So.
1: But I anyway, and um, uh, Rebecca got a lot of a lot of flack for it from some quarters, and then mm. Holly wrote a I thought very well reasoned reply, which I think was the the catalyst for for blowing the whole debate public, really, because I think if had Holly mm. just ignored it, it it would have been lost to the twenty seven readers of PN Review, and. Um, that would have been it wouldn't it you know and then of course because holly replied i think they then posted mm. it on their blog which is not what they usually do um and mm. and and then and then a, a sort of debate oh for good or bad raged and raged and may still be raging i don't i don't yeah. really know I've, i have to admit i've tuned quite out of it um and we didn't reply i mean i <laughs> uh, my my partner in running Burning Eye, Bridget Hart. Did um, you think we should we should say something? And I said no, just just keep out of it. It's not. like I can't really see any mm. any good that would 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 come Benefit. of it really. So so we've we've kept our views to ourselves, more or less, more or less. Yeah. But every time I'm asked about it, I you know yeah. I, I tell people what I think, and I'll happily do so now. If you'd like, no. you know.
0: <laughs> it really polarized people, that's for sure. And I think that you know not all of Watts' articles terrible or anything like that it's not quite that extreme but um, what I think is interesting in the context of this podcast um, which I mentioned to you when we were chatting about the podcast ahead of um, of it being recorded um, is that I think it brought out quite a lot of um, opinions and snobbishness about marketing as well and Instagram poetry and obviously that's something that you know you do and i do and lots of other people do so i thought that would be the focus that would be interesting to talk about rather than you know what's as bad mcnish is brilliant <laughs> yeah
1: and i think i mean for, for pn review i think the, the good thing that maybe has come out of it is that it, it it's increased the profile of of that magazine again which i think probably a lot of younger poets mm. younger poetry readers perhaps not aware of um so, so that's maybe been a good thing it's it's published by Carcanet, if if, if listeners aren't aware of that um it and i think for me the 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 interesting element of the debate is that it it's an old argument really if you if you if you wind back um to the early 2000s after blood had published staying alive there was a quite heated debate at the time which was very similar and it essentially seemed to me about whether poetry as a thing goes and seeks a wider readership or not? And should it go and seek a wider readership or not? And should poetry change itself or should different types of poetry be promoted because they widen the readership? And, you know, I, I went back and read Neil Astley's, I think it's 2003 or four, Stanza Lecture, which is, which is online and can be mm-hmm. read. And if you go and read that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the arguments that that, that Neil talks about around the controversy around um, the publication of um, "Staying Alive" and again, I've said this to some some younger poets I work with, with, burning eye, and, and and they go "Staying Alive" controversial. W- what do you mean? It's, it's like you know <laughs> uh, a standard textbook almost. You know, it's like it's somewhere everybody goes to learn about you know um, contemporary poetry, and and I said no, no. When it when it was published, it was it was quite a controversial thing because it it was perceived as being. Quite accessible you know and and that mm. still you know some people within the poetry world will will agree or disagree on whether whether poetry should seek to be accessible or or, or not you know and, and for me it, it, it was just another incarnation of that that argument that that poetry marketing mm. itself and marketing poetry and looking for an audience and looking for a readership is is perceived as as a little bit controversial um, mm. I,
0: I, yeah, it's like the nationwide adverts. Or like, yeah, indeed. Uh, I mean,
1: like. I was, you know, so many disappointingly snarky comments yeah. from people who otherwise, you know, um, uh, uh, seem to be sensible people. If you see what I mean, or, or people I like and admire and whose work I've got and I think, oh, that's really great, and then I hear them having a pop at somebody about about the fact they were on TV, and I kinda of think, well, you know, you don't you don't have to like it, or, or or, but you know, there's no need for the the negativity and for the the vitriol I think sometimes so have a good honest d- debate but let's not descend into throwing mud at each other I think
0: yeah I think it's all too easy that people would say oh but uh, we're not allowed to have a debate anymore we're not allowed to have critical thoughts and all that kind of stuff it's like yes yes you are but there are also just a lot of definitions of you know poetry it is a multiple thing and and one form of poetry doesn't mean that the others disappear or no longer valid or anything else like that
1: there's room no no <laughs> I mean, my music collection is, is astonishingly varied, you know, and, and sometimes I'll listen to um uh, Tchaikovsky um and other times I'll, you know, be editing or typesetting or something with, with sonic use playing and and I don't find the two being present in my record collection sure. at all incompatible. And my poetry tastes are a bit similar, you know. Um I think the the, the gateway poet for me, the poet that opened the door was was, was um uh, Adrian Mitchell, um, you know, and that led me into the Liverpools and yeah. And then that, that led me up deeper in, into the world of poetry. Um, and you know, for another generation of, of readers, that's going to be Rupi Kaur and it's going to be Holly McNish and it's going to be someone else, you know, that, that they may find, but, um, it's all good for poetry. I think if, yeah. it, if it brings people in, you know, I said I joked to somebody <laughs> up at Stanza recently, I said that, you know, if poetry is a university open day, burning eye and spoken word as it gets bracketed, are hmm. the welcome tent outside with the banners flying and cheery smiling people with, with clipboards there to help you and guide you and send you into the into the into the, into the, the university to find all the magic and wonder that <laughs> resides in there. That's lovely. Um, <laughs> you know, whether that's, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but that's, that's sort of how I feel about it. It's, it's, um, you know, and I quote, I quote Neil Leslie quite a lot because he was my inspiration, you know, um, in starting Burning Eye and, um, you know, he, 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 I think he actually said somewhere that the similar kind of thing that, you know, that's how he, his path into poetry was very similar with, you know, from, um, I know he mentions in, in one article or something, the George Macbeth, uh, anthology which um was sort of 20th century poetry up to about 1975 when it was first published and there was a later edition and um um you know and it's a very white male history of poetry as 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 books from those days would tend to be but it was wonderfully varied and you know i had the same same book at school um and you know you start by liking the simple things that you can understand immediately um and then before you know it you're you know um redacting things on instagram and being invited to be a digital poet somewhere you know it, it, and that for me is it, is the wonder of the world of poetry really is that mm. there's a thousand different flavors um there must be one for everybody there somewhere we just need to get them I love in the that. Door.
0: yeah it's very true i think okay well let's move on from the what's mcnish um business um i was wondering if you could tell me what's the favorite thing that you've read recently you know whether it's a book or a blog or anything else
1: um, it's, it's actually a book. I know I, I was thinking, I should be something something more radical and cutting edge. And, but, um, but I've been <laughs> reading a lot of books recently. <laughs> well, funnily enough, it's a, it's a book. So there's, there's, there's two actually, I, i you know, ask me to say one thing I like and I, and I'll struggle to give you a short list if you saw mean. But, um, um, a couple of things I've read recently are from a very, um, very cool new press. Well, I don't know how new they are. Dost- Dostoevsky mm-hmm. wannabe. Um, I don't know if you've come across them. Um, and so there's one, which is a pamphlet of poetry by Victoria Brown, who I think is one of the people behind the press, uh, which is called Cherry Bomb, which is fantastic. It's really tight, little short poems, really stripped back, um, which I, I adore things like that. Minimalism is always um, intriguing, I think. And, you know, hence the, where well, I think Instagram works, you know, put some Instagram, tiny little fragments of things. Um, um, I like that. Uh, and there's another book that's come out from them from um, the experiment by Paul Hawkins, who um, people might know for his Place, Waste, yeah. Descent um, book, which was out with Influx a couple of years back. Um, yeah, he's got a one. It's called Lou Ham. And I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm reaching for the, for the title because uh, it's um, oh, I can't remember, racing, Anthropocene, mm-hmm. Statements that's it, so and it's basically he's taken again, it's all about appropriating text, which I'm very interested in appropriated text, um, as as, as you know, sort of stealing vocabulary, etc., feeds into really. But, um, so he's taken these transcripts of conversations between Formula One racing drivers mm-hmm. and their crew, which are very often quite inane, and then he's contrasted that with, um, some phrases and things that he's redacted out of from a, uh, a talk about climate change and some new diseases, this this, this contrast. And again, it's, it's really sequences, these really small stripped back redactions that that then create this whole new new dialogue and character. Um, and I think that's literally just out with them now. And it's called Lou Ham. Um, and it, that's really interesting as well, because I just love the way it contrasts this this, this sport that that is just indifferent to its... It's consumption of resources for, in the pursuit of pure entertainment in Formula One with, you know, the considerations about climate change and how our actions affect that, you know. So there we are. That's mm. one to look out for.
0: Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> Two very good recommendations there. Okay, cool. And then um, conversely, you know, what's your – do you have a favourite app or tool for marketing?
1: I, I have to admit I'm I'm very, very intrigued by Instagram – as a marketing tool at the minute. I'm just wondering how effective it is or isn't. Um, we've done a little bit with Burning Eye, and I, I, at this point I can't tell you whether that's worked or not worked. Um, mm. I have used it in my other life, uh, working on one of our brands. Um, and, again, the problem is it's, it's so tangled up with it. I'm, I'm in that place really with it where um, I'm not sure which half of the marketing is working and isn't working, which half of the money I'm wasting, if you see what I mean. mean. So because the the Instagram element was so tied up with other campaigns, Facebook, Twitter, et cetera, et cetera, kind of like, hmm.
0: Yeah. And imagine a lot of the benefits you get from Instagram aren't always things that you can necessarily trace. No. Um, You know, all the awareness that people have of your work from, you know, Looking at Instagram, maybe might translate, but like only quite a long time down the line or quite randomly. Or,
1: yeah, (laughs) although you can track directly quite easily, um, uh, you know, someone clicked on the link and bought the book, yes, that contributed to the sale, but what if somebody just scrolled Mm. past it and it, you know, stuck in their head and then they go direct to the website and buy the book? I I I haven't yet, I mean, no doubt. No doubt, Cambridge Analytic Cambridge Analytica could sort that out for me. But I'm you should not, I should ask them, know yeah. I them to, you know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I know. I mean, it's through Instagram that I was aware of um, all the visual work that you were doing, and obviously that's led to me asking you if you wanted to get involved in the Saboteur Awards Festival in some way. So, I mean, that, exactly. that's an impact yeah. there. Yeah.
1: That's and, a link. And, and that for me comes back to sort of you know what I said earlier on about you know being involved in in, in you know Burning High having been a you know good thing for me personally actually because it you know um Mm. you know although it has sometimes backfired because people have booked me to do something um so I'm coming around a workshop and and what they're expecting is you know this person who represents spoken word and this strange experimental poet cutting things up arrives and they're going that wasn't what we were expecting (laughs) (laughs) okay when you booked me I assumed you were booking me not burning eye because you came to me rather no. than to burning eye. So, uh, you know, tend to have to explain who I am and what I do in a bit more depth before, before we get to that point nowadays. But yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's always a bit tricky. It's sort of like, so which hat did you want me to wear again? Yeah. You know, to better be clear. Yeah.
1: How baffling do you want me to be when I arrive? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How experimental do you want my entrance to be?
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Um, and then I also wanted to you to read a poem of your choice if you're up for that yeah
1: yeah i've got one here that i've selected which which i thought dovetailed nicely in fact because um you actually published the first poem in this sequence and this is number 12 and that was in uh verse kraken 2 brilliant and i just remember that um obviously one of the one of the 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 triggers in your brief was palimpsest and i said hey that's just up my street I'm, i'm i'm you know working on something that I that I that I think of as a palimpsest at that time. And that's evolved into a technique um where I take pieces of found or appropriated text, layer them, montage them, redact them, overwrite them with new original lines of my own to create new poems. And very often as as you as you've seen, they are you know, artwork. So the biggest of them is actually on the wall, not far from me. As I'm talking to you, and it's it's A zero size, and and that was produced for a, an exhibition last autumn. So you know, they they spiral over the place. But honing back down a bit, Palimpsest has also become a character in these in in this sequence of poems. The first of which was in Verse Cracking Two, um, and and this is this is number twelve. I'll just read it now: cutting pacemakers out of corpses. Grinding bones by hand, palimpsest doesn't care to keep her inner existential under wraps. Bodies are museums in themselves, she says. Organ fat and bone space where we archive, store, and hoard. This capsule, she taps her chest, I have inscribed with all the learnings of my mouth. She drinks cerveza negra con colombiana with aguardiente shots travels the world but holed up in Santa Cruz she keeps a number of unrecorded vials in a hazard taped cardboard box. With the FBI tight behind her word began to spread about her cool hobby and her brand of alt repute. I am a verb she says for when a woman steals a kiss when that kiss is forcibly taken before or after death.
0: I mm. love the muse- uh, bodies on museums section. That's yeah, brilliant. I
1: probably stole that from somewhere. You know, that I suspect if I if I flip up the visual version of it, um, I, 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 I'll I be able to see that that was torn out of a magazine or something. Cool, yeah.
0: Still cool, though. <laughs> Do you have this um, poem on your Instagram anywhere or is it? I, I, I
1: don't. That is the most recent one. Well, it's number 12. It, it, there's, I think I'm up to about 15 or 18 or something um and th- this is a, the newest one which which came last summer actually while i was visiting a friend in colombia hence the the reference to, to colombiana in the middle which mm. is which is an iron brew like soft drink and they make a kind of a shandy with it which which is delicious and refreshing but very strange and very colombian okay um, <laughs> yeah so so um no they're, they're, some of them are on my instagram there's some there's some small films i think the most recent Film which was shot in the um, Joshua Tree National Park um, a few years back we just had a had a, a, a you know GoPro type camera set on the dashboard as we drove around the, the park and I just used that as the the, the speed it up as the, as the background to that film so um, that 's one of them that 's number four I think and there 's a, a few others if you if you dive down um, maybe i 'll repost them so that they 're easier to find
0: mm. <laughs> yeah that 'd be great yeah, <laughs> excellent. Okay so finally um I want to just have a chat about what's next for you so what's in the pipeline
1: Oh several things um the burning eyewise we have our biggest year uh, yet we're publishing we're planning to publish about 30 books this year which, which sounds insane but there's kind of there's several elements to that one was that we had a, a bigger than usual number of returning burning eye poets so people who've already published had new work they wanted to put out, you know, very often accompanying live activity. And it's like, well, they need the books now. We have to put them out. Um, and we, but we didn't want to reduce our program of new poets. Um, and we wanted to publish, um, you know, keep up our, our mission of publishing a minimum 50% female writers. In fact, we're, we're over 50%. We're more like 56 now, I think, of our list is female. Um, so, we, you know, so the only way to balance all those things out and to continue to represent all the different corners of the live poetry spoken word scene that, that, that we do was to, was to have a bigger list this year. So we, we kind of, you know, gritted our teeth and <laughs> have gone for it. You know? so um, And so far, so far, it's going okay. We're, we're way ahead of our program um, and on top of things. So that's good. Then on a personal level, I've got a few things yeah. happening. I'm taking part in a, a Poem Brute event at Spike Island in Bristol um, on the 5th of May. Um and uh, which is which I think is sort of an extension of Stephen Fowler's um project which if if people you know look that up they'll put Stephen Fowler and poem brute into into a, a search engine you'll you'll find lots of stuff about yes. it i think it's although it's organized by by the guy Paul Hawkins who whose book I referenced earlier so um which is how I came across his book um, uh, so that's happening and then most of the time, actually at the minute i'm I'm writing a lot of prose so I'm, I've been working on um you know another novel um, and just at the point where i've I've got some people reading that and see where that goes maybe maybe one of them will make it out into the world one time rather than you know just reside on the hard drive of my computer <laughs>
0: <laughs> excellent. that sounds like a very busy year coming up um,
1: indeed yeah.
0: wow, <laughs> hope you get time to sleep and eat and all of that. <laughs>
1: Well, just had a few days down in, in, in Nice, actually, backing off from everything. And that, you know, was a bit of a shock yesterday, coming back, having been, you know, having had lunch outside, uh, nearly 20 degrees and enjoying the sunshine, and then getting back to, to Bristol as the horizontal rain and about five degrees lashed against us as we got off the aeroplane. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Oof,
0: and possibly <laughs> snow again this weekend, so such fun (laughs) okay well um thank you very much for joining us again um clive and yeah all right thanks everyone for listening bye